0: Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Sanderson, over the line, here's Brady key he scores, Brady Kachok, 6-2 in All-Ottawa here in the third with a three spot. Oh yeah, there it is, Bally Sports in Arizona with the call. Brady Kachuk taking a gorgeous stretch pass from Jake Sanderson. Like, that was a beauty. I want to be friends with it. When Brady goes five hole on the breakaway, big giant grin afterward, just like Sens fans have right about now. It is the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast coming up today. The Sens extend their home win streak to three with wins over the Capitals and Coyotes, outscoring them 11-4 combined in the process. Shane Pinto continues to roll. Not in his Pinto, in his 4x4. Four Four goals in four games, which is good because the Sens may need to move him up in the batting order because Josh Norris is hurt. He's the subject of our Dunrobin Distillery's hockey poll today. We've also got the Kodiak Security System Sens trivia and a whole lot more coming up today right after these words. Jim K. Ford Lincoln is turning 40, and to celebrate, they're giving you a gift. It's Truck Days, and to thank you for 40 years of support, Jim K. is offering up to $3,000 in factory order rebates. No matter what it is you have to do, make, move, or create, there's a Ford truck built for you. Come celebrate four decades of Jim K. by ordering your brand-new Maverick Ranger or F-150 your way. Secure your order today. Get started at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes!
1: All right, let's drop the puck now. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are things? Things are good, Steve. I had a, a bit of a late night last night. I don't I do not do late nights all that often anymore, but as you know, I, I had a late one last night. Yeah, and congratulations Thank are goodness. in order. You've married off your daughter. I, Nicely I I am officially a father-in-law. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, well, t- t- that's these a... things are inevitable, Steve. You know, they happen, don't they? You're, you're going to be doing it soon, too, buddy.
0: Oh, I know. My daughter is uh, is 23 and uh, getting serious with her
1: boyfriend. So yeah, see, yeah, there you go. She's 24. He's 25. They've been together for like since th- since she was 16. About eight years they've been together. And wow, he's a fine young man. And it was a it was a wonderful ceremony. And I was uh, thrilled, very happy for them, and especially happy that they were very happy. If that makes That's that yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and it's good that you like him because you didn't have to have
0: that talk with him or you know, be on be on your porch uh, polishing a shotgun or anything like that, you know, keep him in line. It's good it's good you like him. That's a good thing. And I and I'm I'm in the same boat.
1: So that's good. uh
0: yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank fantastic. You, sir.
1: Much appreciated. Thank you. Uh
0: so let's get into things because uh I mean Sens fans are feeling real good right now. Uh the way the Sens have looked so far in their home games. They come out, start the year looking for a great start. And they go 0 2 on the road, which had people a little skittish. But they come home and they win that amazing game on Tuesday night against Boston. And since we've last uh, chatted with you here on the podcast, the sends of two more wins to add to things. And uh, man, does that Arizona Coyote team look undermanned? Like that is a
1: bad team on paper, is it not? It looks like an American League team, Steve. They. they um... They got hammered in Montreal, which was almost predictable. Like I, I, with this road trip that they're on, somehow or other, they decided that they would take their day off in Montreal, which probably isn't a good idea. A bunch of uh, bunch of hockey players getting a free extra day off and night off in Montreal. You know, yes, I mean, sure. they should have stayed wherever they were the night before. Well, I guess they were in they were in Toronto the night before, weren't they? So I mean, that's not a good idea either. But with two days off and a game in Montreal, that that loss was predictable. And then they come in here and although they made it close, uh, it really, when it was 3-2, it really didn't seem like a 3-2 game. The Senders were just the far superior team, I thought, in almost every category.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Some analysts were coming at us with the notion that the Sens taking on a team like Arizona and the state they're in, that that might be a trap game for the Sens. And I guess no. I took a little exception to it. This early in the season, we're talking about trap games, and we're also talking about the Sens, who are only 2-2, two and two, and they missed the playoffs five straight years. I would be discouraged about the Sens' locker room and a trap game, for those who don't know, a trap game is one team is expected to beat up on the other team. And I I, di- I just didn't think that that even, should have even been a
1: storyline going into the game, given the Sens' situation. You're absolutely right. I heard them saying that in the pregame show, and I'm thinking, like, no. To me, a trap game is I've been on the road for a a day or two, and I've just come home, and you've been here waiting for me. That, to me, is more of a trap game. Um, For the senators to take anyone lightly, I'm sorry, but you have not earned the right to take anybody lightly. Like, you're you're not good enough or, or established good enough. To be that way, you're not allowed to be overconfident. You earn the right to be overconfident by establishing a reputation as a top-flight team. So they have no reason to be overconfident. I don't care who they're playing. They, instead of think, thinking, oh, this is an easy win, they should have been licking their chops and an opportunity to show what they can do and, and and beat up on a on a weaker team. And they did.
0: And I probably shouldn't go after the analysts for calling it a trap game when we as a show – I haven't fully clarified for the good listener what a trap game is. (laughs) We have different (laughs) definitions of it, but they're similar. We'll say that. Yes. Um, Shane Pinto started the game with a nice goal, standard Shane Pinto stuff. I mean, he might already have the best release on this team, and this is a team filled with guys who have great releases. Like Shane Pinto, that puck is on his stick, and zing, it has gone so fast. We're not talking the one-timer that Josh Norris has, which is also excellent, and we'll talk about Norris here in a second. I'm talking
1: puck on tape and gone. I thought, you know, I didn't think he had that strong a game uh, two games ago. Was it, uh, it was Boston, then Washington. Yeah, it was Washington. I didn't think he had that strong a game, and yet he ended up with a goal. Um, and by the end of the game, he was a star. I thought he had some early giveaways, but for, for a kid who's young, Who's only played five games? He he um, he's such a professional. Uh, he's everything as advertised that that we heard about him from the coaching staff and from the management team. That this guy's going to step right in and play. He's just a pro's pro already. Gets to the right places and yeah, what a release on the stick, off the stick. He's not he's not stopping to dust it off as they say. It's in the back of the net before you even realize he's
0: got it. And he may have to move up in the batting order as I said off the top. Because Josh Norris got hurt. It looked like a standard faceoff, not dramatically different than the faceoff that Pinto got hurt on and was out for the rest of the season when he tried to come back from a shoulder injury. And in hindsight, he probably shouldn't have tried, but who knows? Josh Norris was apparently healthy going into that faceoff, and he falls to the ice. And it looks like an arm injury, probably a left arm injury, because he's going off the ice. He's absolutely furious going down the tunnel and makes a good throw of his stick in disgust with his right hand. So probably that left side. Don't know if it's a wrist or an arm or a shoulder, whatever it is. How do you play that now? And, that, and that is the, that's the subject of our Dunrobin Distilleries hockey poll today. With Norris out, what are you doing with your top nine forwards? What do your lines look like? Your center ice depth chart, if you will, because you've got the option. With Norris out, you've got names like Stutzla, you've got Pinto, you've got Brissard, you have Giroux you could slide over, who, who's an excellent centerman. You've even got Ridley Gregg, you've got Mark Kastelik. How are you playing things
1: with your top nine, Greg? Dylan Gambrell. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> forgot I forgot I, about him. Yeah, we're, I'm thinking I'm not touching the other two lines. We just talked about Shane Pinto. He looks so good playing with Mott and Joseph, I wouldn't touch him. Leave him right there. Uh, you, you've you pretty much now got got Stutzla playing with Batherson and Kachuk. Fine. Leave him right there. Just bring in Brassard and plop him in the middle of Giroux and Debrinkit, who showed some chemistry in a couple of exhibition games where that's where Broussard was playing, and he looked good on the power play with him as well. Um, that's the type of player he is when he's at his best. He's an offensive guy. Play him on an offensive line. Rather than elevating... A third or fourth line guy to play in a second line role. Bring in a guy who's done that, who can do that, who is that type of player. It just messes everybody else up. I think to do anything else, you move Pinto up. Okay, then what? You move castellick up, and then you play Broussard in the fourth line? No, or you play Gambrel and bring him in on the fourth line. Uh-uh. I think the least disruptive move in my mind is to just drop Broussard in straight into into uh, Norris's spot. How are you? Love- uh, how are you thinking about it? What are you thinking?
0: Uh, I like that solution, uh, but I probably would do the obvious. I would just because Pinto has been so good in the early going and he is producing. So I probably just keep things simple as you are, but in a different way. And then I'd probably put Brissard as my third line center and move Pinto up to number two. Although if time marches on and Josh Norris is going to be at long term, we don't know what the it could be. It might be back next game. It might be back on Monday for all we know, but it didn't look that way. If he's out mm-hmm. for a while, then before long, I'm going to maybe knock on Ridley Gregg's door and see what's going on there. But it'll all depend on how Gregg looks down in Belleville. And uh, but for now that would be how I would handle things and, and just, you know, keep the status quo for the mm-hmm. wingers. We have uh we have a lot of uh feedback on this. We've got Khalid, uh Brassard Consenter, Giroux and Debrinket. So he's with you, and Stutzler with Batherson and Kachuk, everything else status quo. We've got mm-hmm into the heart of las vegas a lot of uh, interesting names here uh, stutzla then pinto Brissard, and kastelik so that's agreeing with me mm-hmm. ted hurley i think you have to try pinto with Giroux and de Brinket. he's earned it slide brassard onto the third line another vote for me hooray uh we've got uh, cliff booth leave it as it is just throw brassard in there somewhere so, agreeing with both of
1: us. <laughs> in other words, I'm not even answering the question. It's just, you know, bring Brassard in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm okay. counting that one as me, though. Leave it okay. the way it is. Just slide Brissard in. That, that's on my side. So, we're
0: 2-2. Yeah, and then we've got uh, Nicholas. The way Pinto is played, I'd put him in his second-line center. Keep <laughs> Stips, let one. Slot in Brissard as three. Keep the fourth line the same, and don't disrupt whatever you do. Seven, 18, and 19. And by the way, uh, you got... Brady Kachuk, and Drake batherson they are now the eighth best scorers in the NHL. As we're recording here on a Saturday night, they have eight points in five games apiece, so that's kind of cool. Because uh, that's, I mean, really, throughout the Sens' recent history, there hasn't been an Ottawa senator within a million miles of the scoring. Lead. <laughs> and uh, when Batherson got hurt last year, he was hanging around the top of the leaderboard, so that was fun. And uh, I think that's something that Sens fans are maybe going to have to get used to because they have a bunch of guys right now on a point-of-game pace right now.
1: Sure. Do you remember the game in Florida the night that Alfie had like seven or eight points? Um, I remember he had a seven-point game. Yeah, it was in Tampa. That's the record. It was in Tampa. It was two thousand and eight. It was just before the All Star break. Do you know that he was leading the league in scoring at the All Star break that year? No, I, I forgot that. that if that, I did, that, yeah, that may be the latest into the season that a Senator has been, uh, you know, top top five, let alone leading the league. Yeah,
0: that seven points still stands as the Sens record. And Roy Malacker to this day insists that
1: they missed one of his assists that night. He should have had eight. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably why you said seven or eight. Yeah. That's that's but that's that's late into the season, two thousand and eight yeah. all star break. Alfie actually number one in the league. That's that's impressive because even in Yashin's best years, the team wasn't strong enough. I don't know that they've really ever had anybody threaten or even in the top five, I could stand to be corrected by one of the good listeners, but I i don't know that this team's ever had anybody in the top five.
0: Okay, so that was our poll today. And it's brought to you by Dunrobin Distilleries. Did you know Ottawa's very own Dunrobin Distilleries has been winning prestigious awards internationally for their spirits? It is true, their gins won gold and silver earlier this year out of the UK, and their whiskey came in second place as the best Canadian whiskey in the country. And there is some news afoot, by the way about that whiskey Alrighty. that we'll get to you uh, fairly shortly. Pick up some oh. Dunrobin spirits today at various LCBO locations across the province or buy directly from their website at DunrobinDistilleries.com. All right, so moving on and talking about points, and this segues nicely into our Kodiak security system sends Trivia. The Sens do have, right now, six guys on a point-per-game pace. Six. Pretty impressive start through five games. Greg, you're going to have 20 seconds to come up with as many names as you can of the six guys. I'll I'll, I'll consider it successful if you get five of the six. (laughs) Five of the six Ottawa Senators right now who are on a a point-a-game pace through five games. If uh, If you get it right, I'll disarm the Kodiak security alarm. If you fail, the alarm goes off and you lose. And the listeners and I mock you until our throats are sore. Are you set? Can you name the top six guys for the Ottawa Senators all in a pointy game pace? Go. Kachuk.
1: Batherson. uh, Pinto. (sighs) Sanderson. No. Jeru, no, Bang. 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 yeah, Sh- well, it's not Shabbat. It's no oh, Stutzla. Why, did I skip Stutzla? You did. Yeah, yeah.
0: Stutzla. There. So you have basically Kachuk and Batherson leading the way at eight. You got Pinto next at five. Stutzla also has five, and Tyler Mott and Alex no. DeBrinket both have five. Yes, Tyler Mott. He of the career best single season high of sixteen points. Is suddenly
1: for the Ottawa Senators a point a freaking game player, kids? Wow! It just seems to me like Sanderson's gotten a, got at least one apple every night, but I guess he obviously he hasn't. I wouldn't have got Mott. No, no. Wow. That that, I, that
0: was the one I, I was kind of cutting it, you some slack on. I thought you might do okay on the <laughs> other ones, but uh, Giroux's not a bad guess either. I think he has, uh, I think he's thirty-four four. points. Yeah, yeah. So that is our trivia question for today. Not bad, right? Not bad. And it I thought, we're were gonna, I, I thought you were
1: talking about. I thought you were going to ask me. In their history, there has only been five players who had a point a game in a season, and I don't even know. I don't even know what what the number would be. I bet it isn't even that high. No. How many Get Ottawa Senators in a in a season? Yeah, probably. I don't know. It's probably two or less.
0: How many Ottawa Senators in a season? And what was the rest of it?
1: For in the history of the Ottawa Senators, how many Ottawa Senators have got a full season and scored a point a game or more?
0: Oh. Right. Yeah, but well, that would have been a good, yeah. good question too. Maybe we'll use that yeah. for our next one. But for sure, you had, uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, Alfie Spetz uh-huh. and Heatley all did it, right? They did get over a point a game. He might, well, he finished second in hard trophy voting. So he must, yeah, he, the, there must be those four. Like I was going to say, yeah, those four for sure. But I don't know. Even in Carlson's best years, did he get over a point a game? Hosa would have, I think Hosa might have flirted. He
0: had a couple of big years for Ottawa when they decided to move them out to Atlanta. Anyway, that's our sense trivia for today, ladies and gentlemen, for Kodiak Security Systems. And uh, thanks to Mo and everybody at Kodiak for their great sponsorship and partnership. And Kodiak is Ottawa's largest independently-owned security alarm company here to keep your family and business safe. Whether it's the dangers of home invasion, smoke and fire, carbon monoxide, water damage, medical emergencies, or extreme temperatures, Kodiak Security is right there to help you protect what matters most. Learn about their security systems today for home or office at KodiakSecurity.ca. They're at 2801 Riverside Drive. Now you mentioned Jake Sanderson. And as I talked about at the top, I'm mean, what a what a stretch pass to Brady Kachuk for a breakaway and a goal. I mean, I, I can't decide if I think he or Shane Pinto are going to be more of a colder threat this year. Do you have a preference if you were to pick one over the other right now?
1: Well, I think if they continue to play the way they are, and I had a vote and I could only take one, it would be Sanderson simply because uh, a defenseman dominating or being like, even in the conversation as a defenseman, as a rookie, is far more impressive than a forward right but i could i could see both of them being in the top 5 i'm i'm convinced one of them will definitely end up being one of the what they call a finalist will be in the top 3 but if i yeah. only had if i could only vote for one at the end of the year again assuming they stay the course the way they are now at the end of the year i i would definitely vote for sanderson first but uh, yeah, who knows I mean, maybe maybe they both finish in the top 3 wouldn't that be cool
0: yeah sanderson is tied with uh i was going to say Uh, Tied with uh, for the defensive scoring lead on the Ottawa Senators, people would fill in the blank Thomas Shabbat. Jake Sanderson is tied with Artem Zub for the scoring lead among defensemen with three. Shabbat has two. And uh, I would say that uh, Sanderson, to have the game he did today after any of two assists, after having 15 stitches in the mouth in the Washington game, I'm still not really clear what exactly happened. It looked like maybe a slightly late hit up against the boards. I don't know if he took a stick or a shoulder pad or a elbow or, or elbow pad. But man, his mouth was bleeding like crazy. So he had 15 stitches, but not just on the outside, but on the inside as well. Like it cut the upper lip almost in two. So that was kind of ugly. And for Sanderson to, you know, get the stitches and then, uh, and then to respond
1: the way he did today. That's, uh, that shows a little bit of signs of toughness. Eating's not, uh, not fun for the young man right now, but yeah, he no. took something in the app. I wasn't sure what it was just like you. I kept, was it a stick? I, it or it looked like a stick anyway, but I don't know that they ever gave us a, a nice slow motion replay. Like, Oh geez, did you see that nice slow motion replay they had to show us today of Clayton Keller's knee injury yet again? My oh. God, I can't watch that one. It's, it's Joe Theismann type. I, I didn't need to see that replay. It, it
0: was like, a, yeah. I don't know that the sort of the motion you see sometimes when you're watching hurdles, in track and field, and that motion of the way they look, the way their body looks and their legs as they go over the hurdle, now be in that position, yeah. but going a
1: million miles
0: an hour into the end boards yeah. in that position. Yeah. Squash! Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Not good. Not uh, good. But, but, Steve, I know that you made a you made a pledge, uh, and it was either not going to speak of it at all or only say good things. So I'm going to say this. I thought Thomas Shabbat played his best game of season today joined the rush on three or four occasions was in command of the game every minute he was on the ice uh was was tough and strong in front of the net today there was a couple of plays they showed one in the replay where it was really good in boxing people out tying up sticks i thought thomas shabbat was really good today
0: well good this is balance we need this balance on the show and you're right you 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 should uh, you should have thrown a flag on me there for unsportsmanlike conduct because i (laughs) i think i violated the uh the aforementioned rule that I put down in our last episode—it was it was subtle though—it was very subtle. I thought because mm-hmm. I think people mm-hmm. would be surprised to see that Zubin Sanderson are your leading defensive scorers right now. Yeah, I'm taking it back. There's no flag on that play. No flag on that play. <laughs> but we do have balance. That's good. I like the balance. Uh, moving on now. Anton Forsberg had a phenomenal third period. Yes, it was Arizona, but they kind of hung around in the game, and that was kind of a theme in this three-game run at home. You know, Boston. They wouldn't go away, obviously. They kept getting up. Then in the Washington game, they had the adversity of falling behind early 2-0 on a pretty on a couple of really ticky-tack calls that put them down 5-on-3, and the Capitals scored twice. They responded really well in the second and third period. And then Arizona kind of hung around in this game, even though the Sens were dominating. It was like, okay, it's getting late here, and it's 3-2 Sens. And then they finally put things away with three third-period goals. I kind of liked the... The stick to itiveness of things, but uh, I thought goaltending wise in the third period, Anton Forsberg had a, I think I don't know three really great a chances that he stymied on the wash or the um, the Arizona Coyotes today. So I thought that uh, he's had a good, really good run, and uh, you know when you think about two of the goals for the Ottawa Senators this season, you know you were hoping for a better start, and you were hoping to stay healthy. The latter hasn't really come true with the injury today to Norris and the earlier injury to Cam Talbot, though he's skating again. But uh, Forsberg has really impressed me so far. He knows he's the guy. He knows they're not likely to go to Hellberg for very much of this first month. And he's really responded well, I thought. Definitely.
1: I was, I'm was. i glad you brought it up. I'm happy for him. I know you, you've you been tooting his horn and, and loved him all of last year. And you, you said he should be number one. He should get the game one start. And due to injury, he did but that's that's some pressure there that's something that he could have caved under and open with a couple losses albeit games they easily could have won um he's just he's taking the he's taking the ball and he's running with it and it's good for him it's nice to see and he did have a strong third period today he had a strong game today i thought there were not a lot of shots but there were a lot of quality chances against today and uh I think he's going to play every game, Steve. I I just can't see them using anybody else until it's absolutely necessary. And and, and an absolute necessity, it probably won't come until mid-December when the Sens play their first uh, back-to-back. Well, you've stolen my next question.
0: Do you give Hellberg a no. game soon or keep rolling with Forsberg? You've given me your answer. My answer to that question, uh, as I have a conversation with myself here now, <laughs> the, uh, no, <laughs> I would absolutely keep rolling with Forsberg because I want him to have that swagger. You know, I want to see what he looks like in these circumstances because he's got a three-year contract. Talbot has a one-year, so this might be a dogfight this year, but Talbot may, you know, maybe they look at resigning him. I mean, he told me he's wide open to the idea. Uh, they bought mm-hmm. a house here in town, but there is a chance, for sure, Forsberg is under contract for the next two years after this one. So I would love, if I'm DJ Smith, to see what Forsberg looks like as the starting goalie without a net with all due respect to Hellberg, So I want to keep this thing going as long as I can. If physically, you know, we get to a stage where you do have a back to back and Talbot's not back. Although he's definitely supposed to be back well before December. He thinks he'll be back at the end of this month, but uh, yeah, I, I like the,
1: the trial balloon that this, this little stretch is all about for Forsberg. Yeah, because it could easily have gone the other way. Like, like we're we're talking about all the positives. Like, he's been given an opportunity uh because of the injury. Here's an opportunity for this guy to step up, but he has. Like, imagine if he didn't. Imagine if he has not been good. Imagine if he was giving you Matt Murray goaltending, or if he got injured himself or something. It could oh my god, I don't even want to think about what we'd be talking about doing these shows if it had started that way. Um but you're right. He so it it maybe You kind of want Talbot to come back to give him a little bit of push so that we can see, is he really the guy? Because that will inform your decision come postseason as to what you're going to do with Talbot. Yeah, and hopefully Talbot doesn't rush it,
0: right? Because his injury, Mm -hmm. when it was described, was something along the lines of four to six weeks. And right away, he started talking about, nah, it'll be uh, you know four max. And so I'm thinking, there's a guy that's anxious to get in there. There's a guy that's got a new market that he wants to impress. He's playing for a contract. It is a contract year for him. You would hope that he's not looking at things and saying, okay, I want to get back in there. Because uh, we've talked about rib injuries, ribs and backs. Man, everything that you do, um, <laughs> even the most mundane things are affected. And uh, so NHL goaltending is a little more than mundane things with all the lurching around that you have to do in that position, not to mention you get crashed into every once in a while. So, Hopefully Cam Talbot doesn't rush things out based on his circumstances.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, I know you said that he wants to come back sooner. He thinks he's going to be ready sooner. There's no rush. At least at this point, there's no rush. As long as Forsberg is healthy and as long as he's playing well, then Talbot can take his time. The team can take their time with Talbot. And when when he's ready, when the, like he's 100% ready, then bring him back. We're good. We're fine, buddy. Just relax.
0: Before the win over Washington, Anna and Olivia Melnick were prominently featured in a pregame video, which was a tribute to their father, Eugene Melnick, who passed away back in March. And after the video, which was I think it was about 10 minutes long, um, they, I shouldn't say raised a banner, because I think it came down from the ceiling. They unveiled a mm-hmm. banner, we'll call it that. And it had uh, that Melnick patch that's been on the jersey, I think, that EM logo. It's now... I guess it's up there permanently now. And uh, what were your thoughts about Eugene Melnick having a, a banner unveiled on Thursday night?
1: Oh, I had no problem with it. I think it's the right thing to do. Your, your owner has passed away. There needs to be some sort of recognition for what he did here and, and the contribution that he made. Um, there's no historical reference that anyone can bring up that can say anything other than, this guy saved your team. Regardless of what you thought about him at the end, regardless of what you thought of some of the decisions that that were made, regardless of some of the things he may have said or not said or done or not done, he saved the hockey club and he was the owner here for how many years, Steve? It was
0: yeah, it was like oh three oh four something like
1: that. Yeah, yeah, he should be recognized and and honored in such a way, and I have no problem with it. I can't imagine you did either.
0: No, I don't. I don't at all. I just saw. Yeah. Uh, I bring it up because uh, there was some pushback on social media from people who weren't uh, fans. And uh, I I agree with everything you just said. And I'll throw in another point on top of that in that, you know, we have daughters, you and I, the same age as Mm. Olivia and Anna. And I think that there must be some level of, of peace, the legacy that something like that creates. And so all the reasons that you brought up, I I agree with, but I think also that I think it, you know, it, it would make you feel a lot, a lot better about things, knowing that there's kind of this, Permanent positive legacy that will stand for all time, ideally. So that's that's another Good angle point. I wanted to bring up to it. Uh, the attendance: fifteen thousand yeah. one hundred seven here on Saturday night, as the center or I guess this afternoon, four four p.m. start, and uh, the Thursday night game, Ovechkin and the Capitals in town, and there was fourteen thousand and change. So we're talking, I don't know, about five thousand off of what they had in the sellout.
1: Any concerns there for you about the attendance? Well, you know, it's tough, Steve, because you, you, from a looking at it as an optimist, it's way better numbers than it's been in the past. Yes. Right? Like the it's not the 10 or 12 that we that we've seen throughout the pandemic or even the some of the bad numbers we saw before the pandemic. But as a pessimist, you're thinking, "Oh, yeah, here we go. Everybody's talking. These guys, what more do you want these people to do? They've invested money, they brought in players, they're putting a good product on the ice and we need butts and seats and it's uh know, let's let's go, people. Show that you're uh, grateful or thankful. Show your appreciation for what's been done and uh, start buying tickets. I'm looking at the stats.
0: Hockey DB does NHL attendance, average attendance, and they do it in the course of the 2022-23 season. Of course, they have the finale of every season, but they've already put up the the latest stats. And right now, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, there are eight teams below the Sens, and in recent years, the Sens have been almost rock bottom. So they have had improvements. Their average attendance right now is 17,011, according to Hockey DB, and so they're on their way. It's way too early to panic, and I would suspect, I mean, I've never balanced NHL books, but I think as long as you're getting 15,000 or more, then you probably are turning a profit. So... After a season where they had COVID issues, they had an average attendance last year, according to HockeyDB, of ten thousand and change, which takes you back to Civic Center era times. Then I think we're on our way as a as a fan base and as a team. It feels to me like uh, you can make a law, you can make a a decent living off of fifteen thousand plus, but uh, you still hope for more because uh, they seem to be on their way. They've reinvested in the team. And it's not the Arizona Coyotes at the end of the day. Uh, Arizona (laughs) doesn't even appear here yet because uh, they haven't had a game yet. And they've got a month-long road trip to start the year, 14 games. Imagine starting the year with a 14-game road trip, 24,000 kilometers, and over a month long. Man, the Coyotes are Mickey Mouse, aren't they? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's that's something down there that's that's a you know what show going yeah. on down there and yeah. then they're gonna play at the mullet arena that holds 5,000. So it's just brutal brutal yeah. and I can't I, I hope for their sake that there's a couple of points in during this trip where they get more than a couple of days off they can maybe fly home and do some laundry and reacquaint themselves with their families before they got to go back to the next road game you know maybe they can slip a trip home in there somehow but I'm not sure yeah
0: if you're wondering who's behind the Sens so far, it's the Flyers, Kings, Sharks, Islanders, Jackets, Jets, Sabres, which is a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they maybe they haven't played too many home games yet. Or, I don't know, but 13-4 is their average attendance wow. at home so far this year. And uh, the
1: New Jersey Devils are dead last
0: right now. But it's early. So yeah, five it's also games in, NFL six season. games in.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you've got, you, yeah, you got two L.A. market there and two New York market, right? Like, that's... And two Canadian, I think, was what in a, a Buffalo. I mean, that—that's what's going to happen, right? It's—it's it's NFL season. Americans aren't tuned into hockey quite yet. Um, I, I think almost most of those numbers will climb, except possibly with the exception of Philly. Who knows if that's ever going to climb? But then they're—they're they're doing well. they they are not expected to do well, but they're doing well so far. Right.
0: Alright, well the Sens are back at it Monday night against the Dallas Stars. The Stars got off to a fantastic start under new coach Pete DeBoer and we'll have that to chew on for our next episode, the result of that one. Closing with a quick note about former Senator Mark Vorwiecki today, one of the best guys in the NHL. Unfortunately, Borough was stretchered off in the game against the Flyers on Saturday night. He took a hit up against the end boards and it didn't look really that violent at all. This guy hit the wrong way, kind of getting his helmet pinched up against the boards and he was out cold, and when Boro left Bridgestone Arena, the good news is he was conscious and had movement in all his extremities. He's been taken to hospital and going to have further testing and observation. We'll share more details in our next episode if they're available. But for now, everybody in Sens Nation wishing Boro the very best. Thanks to everybody for listening in today on CJRO Radio in the east end of Ottawa. Thanks to our title sponsors, Jim K. Ford, Kodiak Security Systems, and Dunrobin Distilleries for their great partnership. Thanks to our great Patreon members like Jonathan Falcone, Henry Backer, Neil Ross, and Scott Costin, and more. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time.
1: Thanks for being
0: with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast.
1: If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out
0: our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.